This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3173 for Wednesday, the 30th of September 2020. Today's show is entitled Manage Your Raspberry Pi Fleet with Ansible. It is the 180th show of Ken Farlun and is about 20 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is a solution to the problem of updating difficult to reach Raspberry Pis in the enterprise. This episode of HPR is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to Archive.org forward slash donate. My name is Ken Fallon and you're listening to another episode of Hacker Public Radio. Today I want to talk to you about deploying Raspberry Pis with Ansible. The Raspberry Pi Foundation has had massive success with the Raspberry Pi as an educational tool. This small, versatile device made interfacing with the real world a breeze for us mere mortals. The idea was to sell them cheap, that if they broke it would be sad but not a disaster. The usefulness of these devices has not escaped businesses where they're becoming valuable tools to aid the automation of the physical world. Whether this is powering information displays, automating testing, controlling machinery, monitoring the environment, etc., enterprise see these as serious devices doing serious tasks. Each model has a long product life cycle, with even the older models, the 1B+, 2B, 3A+, 3B, and the 3B+, all remaining in production until at least January 2026. There is little risk of them going obsolete, so maintaining a sufficiently large stock means you can treat them as modular components that you replace rather than fix. While you can rely on the hardware to remain constant, the same cannot be said for the software. The Raspberry Pi Foundation's officially supported operating system is Raspberry Pi OS. This is previously known as Raspbian and they recommend updating regularly to get the latest security and bug fixes. So how do we deal with this stable hardware versus changing software? This presents us with a problem. By virtue of the fact that the Raspberry Pi provides a bridge between the physical and the virtual world, they tend to be installed in difficult to reach locations. They also tend to be installed by hardware folks, typically electricians for plant and assembly technicians for product. You do not want to be wasting their time having to connect a keyboard and monitor, logging in, running Rasp config, installing software with apt-get and configuring set software. As the Raspberry Pi OS boots off an SD card, one approach could be is to maintain is to always maintain an up-to-date version on the SD card that the installer can just plug and hot glue in. A good quality department will keep the SD cards under version control so at least you can be assured that all new installs are on the latest release. This solution, though, is expensive to maintain, as all software updates require you to prepare a new image and burn them to the SD card. 
It also doesn't address how to fix all the existing deployed devices. In some cases, it may be necessary to create custom images for a specific Raspberry Pi doing a specific job, and it may simply be unavoidable that the installer needs to connect a keyboard and monitor to configure something. A better approach is to use the same minimal basins operating system install and then use Network Boot to maintain all the customizations and updates on the network. This only requires maintaining one base image, which is easier to manage. So this is a good approach if you have a reliable network infrastructure. Unfortunately, not all networks support this. And I quote, due to the huge range of networking devices, we can't guarantee that network booting will work on any device. Also, sadly, it is no longer supported on Raspberry Pi 4. Furthermore, it's not an option where devices are disconnected from the network for a long period of time. You always need the network to be in place. So our goal, therefore, is to produce one common base Raspberry Pi OS image that doesn't change often, but once installed, can be automatically customized, maintained, and managed remotely. For this, we're going to need a base image. You'll want to do some small but necessary changes to the default Raspberry Pi OS image. You'll need to recreate the base image when the Raspberry Pi OS image gets updated, or you need to change something in your own configuration. The typical time between major versions of Raspberry Pi OS release is about two years, which is a good target maintenance lifecycle. It gives you plenty of time to swap out older devices for new ones while keeping it manageable for the quality department to maintain the releases. Older versions will still be supported for security and bug fixes for some time after that. Now, back in episode HPR 2356, called Safely Enabling SSH in the Default Raspbian Image, I walked through the first steps of automating the update of this space image. It will download the latest image zip file, verify that it's valid, extract the image, enable SSH for secure remote management, change the default password for the root and Pi users, and secure the SSH server on the Pi. Since then, I've improved it to enable connections via Wi-Fi uh, using WPA underscore supplicant.conf. Uh, it loads its own configuration from an any file, so uh, you're keeping your sensitive information out of the script and using LO setup to greatly simplify the mounting of the image. In addition, it's got the creation of a first boot script, which is another project over on GitHub. An up-to-date version of this is maintained on my repo and GitHub as well. The changes there are fairly self-explanatory as they ensure that the devices you are deployed are locked down before you commission them. So you're encouraged to modify the script to your particular environment. I would advise adding any security keys or digital certificates necessary for authentication at this point. However, I would advise holding off custom applications or configurations as these can be added later. Other than that, the image will behave exactly like a generic uh, Raspberry Pi OS image, as in it will boot, resize the, resize the SD card as normal, and will have the same default software and firmware installed. The notable addition is the inclusion of support for the first boot script. This is the glue that allows you to have the Raspberry Pi run some custom configuration once it's finished configuring itself the first time. Again, you're encouraged to modify this script to your particular environment. 
for example, you could have the device register itself somewhere, run through system tests and diagnostic procedures, pull down a client application, basically whatever you want. If you don't want to customize it, the bare minimum as it is with my script will uh, get the Raspberry Pi on the network so that it can be uniquely identified by network management software. So what is network management software? If you're managing servers in a DevOps environment, you won't blink an eye at the idea of using a configurer management software to control your Raspberry Pi devices as well. Those that need agents can already have them included as part of the base image. But given the resources of the Raspberry Pi, an agent-less solution such as Ansible might be the best option. It just uses SSH and Python and requires no additional software on the client. The control software is easy to install and it's easy to use. All you need is the Ansible software itself, a list of devices managed to be managed saved in an inventory file, and a set of instructions you want to carry out called a playbook. For example, you can update the base Raspberry Pi OS image using the equivalent of apt update and, and apt full upgrade equivalent using an apt module. So that playbook would look something like dash name and then a description run the equivalent of apt-get as a separate process. Then underneath that apt colon and then tabbed underneath that is update cache is true, cache valid time is uh, 3600 and then the name is to update all the packages. So apt and update dist. So that's the equivalent. Now you might think that's a little bit overkill, but I found using Ansible is worth it if you have more than two or three computers that you need to manage. By virtue of the fact that you use Ansible, you're getting the most hygienic network. Your inventory is audited and listed into a host file. Software installs are documented through its playbook and data and configuration are kept off the devices from where it's easier to back up regularly. This is what Wikipedia has to say about Ansible. Minimal in nature. Management systems should not impose additional dependencies in the environment. It's consistent. With Ansible, one should be able to create consistent environments. Secure. Ansible does not deploy agents to the nodes. Only SSH and Python are required to manage nodes. nodes. Highly reliable. When carefully written, an Ansible playbook can be idempotent to prevent unexpected side effects on the managed systems. This is entirely possible to have a poorly written playbook that is not idempotent, uh, which is that if you run the same task over and over again, it'll return to the same state. Minimal learning required. Playbooks use an C and descriptive language based on YAML and Jenga templates. So, anyone authorized to do so can configure a device, but that authorization can be limited using the standard Unix position permissions. You can apply granular access to your playbooks so that, for example, a test operator can only be able to access the test and diagnostic tools you installed. So let's work through an example. Let's imagine you have a widget factory that includes a Raspberry Pi as part of the product. Uh, your facilities team also use them to monitor environmental plant and security. Likewise, the engineering team uses them on the production lines as part of the manufacturing monitoring process. And needless to say, your IT department will use them as disposable dumb terminals to access the head office ERP systems. In all cases, downtime needs to be kept to an absolute minimum. So we're going to aim to deliver the exact same device 
with the exact same image to each of the teams. First step is to prepare the image. So common to all the stages is to prepare the image itself. After cloning from the Git repo, a one-time action is needed to edit and rename the fixssh on pi.ini underscore example and the wpa underscore supplement.conf under example to remove the example and to populate them with the settings required for your environment. So you only need to run that script every time a Raspbian image is updated or any time you make changes to your own configuration files. I'd recommend that you have that as part of your own DevOps workflow. And if you don't have that in place as yet, then an automated uh, cron job can do the same thing. I would also recommend having the Raspberry Pi station dedicated to burning these images located in the storeroom. This will automatically burn the latest image from the network once a new card is inserted into an external multi-SD card reader. So some sort of 3D printed case with a nice uh, display on it with a few flashing LEDs uh, would be nice. Justification to get a 3D printer in your work environment, nudge, nudge, win quick. So when a Raspberry Pi is requisitioned, the storekeeper can simply remove the one of the finished cards from the uh, from the SD card burner and include it in with the work order. So the next thing we need is an inventory or a host file. So in this fictitious example, the role of the device will be determined by the location on the network that it's connected to. This is just something I've come up with. Therefore, we need to be able to identify the Raspberry Pis once they come on the network. How you approach this is going to be entirely dependent on how your own network is configured and what tools are available to you. I would advise listening to operators show HPR 3090, locating computers on an enterprise network for some great tips on how to do that. So let's say each of the departments have their own provisioning server running the Ansible software, which of course can be another Raspberry Pi. <clears throat> it's the standard Unix SSH permissions that dictates who has access to what within your organization. And in the episode 3080, Ansible ping, I walked through the absolute basics of installing and troubleshooting Ansible. Since then, Clatu has added HPR3162, uh, an introduction to Ansible, which is a great introduction to the topic in general. So how the provisioning server becomes aware of the new devices can either be active or passive. So you could have the first boot script actively calling a URL to register itself when it's activated. You would need to have some sort of web application listening and using the received information to register the new host in your Ansible inventory. This actually might be a good approach for devices that are replaced relatively infrequently uh, and you want them provisioned as soon as possible. For example, as a water quality monitoring station gets replaced, it could be a good idea to have it register itself. And in that way, an electrician could select the exact playbook to deploy to the device via smartphone app. On the other hand, the passive approach might be better if you're going to be installing devices constantly, like in a production line. In this case, we can assume that the new devices found on the production line network will have our test and diagnostic software installed at the beginning of the line. This, of course, can be automatically removed prior to shipping. So one of the changes that the script does is that it renames the host name of each Raspberry Pi to a version based on the Ethernet MAC address. 
So in the, if the example Ethernet MAC address was uh, DCA632, which is the prefix for Raspberry Pis, one of them, uh, 01234, then it will result in a host name of DAC6 without the colons included. When the Raspberry Pi finishes its first time boot sequence, which is first time to boot up, resize the drive, then it boots again for um, to run the script and then it reboots again and at that point it's got a new host name and it's requested an IP address from your network and it's probably in your office DNS. So it should be available under DCA 6320 or dot .lan or dot .production.example.com whatever your DNS is in your local network. I've actually included a small script um, to locate Raspberry Pis based on the Ethernet MAC address as discussed in HPR 3052, Locating Computers on the Network. And you run that script and you pipe the output into a YAML uh, or in INI version of uh, Ansible host file. And all it's got is one square bracket uh, at the top saying all Pis and then you've got the host name space Ansible host equals and then the IP address. This isn't the best format for keeping your inventory file but it is really handy for this first step where you want them to become available in some form of a host file so that you can then later move them into your regular inventory file wherever that may be. So at this point you have everything you need to start um, executing your playbooks. So regardless of how the provisioning server becomes aware of the devices you now know they exist. In our example, we would deploy different playbooks based on the subnet that the device is in. So the simplest example I can come up with is the one from HPR 3080 Ansible ping, which is also included in the download. And what it is is a small ping module. So you, in running this, you will be connecting to this device using Ansible and it will reply back using Ansible. So you know that everything there is configured correctly. Uh, example is three dashes, then a dash name test paying host or for all tasks is uh, there's just one task with an action of ping. That's it. So now you have everything that you need to communicate with the new devices. And the command that will be running underneath is ansible dash playbook space dash dash inventory dash file. And the file name is all underscore pies dot ini, the one we created earlier, space and then the playbook is ping-example-playbook.yaml, which is included when you download the GitHub repo. So by modifying the playbook, you can update and configure the devices in any way you like. I currently use it to create users, update systems to the latest software versions, add or remove software, do other configurations. I've decided not to include that because there are probably better versions out there. For example, uh, Ansible apt update all packages in Ubuntu, Debian, Linux from cybercity.biz is included in the show notes. So it's at this point that your device ceases to be a generic device. Uh, you will know what the exact role the Raspberry Pi should have and you can provision it as such. How custom you depends on the paybook in place. But I would actually advise having a specific Ansible role for each and every task you're going to be deploying them to do. So 
even using the example that we had before, even if it's on, you only have one water quality monitoring station, you would still define a role for that. Not only will this allow you to deploy an identical replacement quickly, but you're also documenting the process, which is offer a requirement for certifications such as ISO 9000. You also have a means to audit that your updates to your network are in place and that they're being carried out regularly. And this will hopefully keep these devices secure for many years to come. This will also apply to products that you ship because they can be updated via a hotspot operated by a field service technician. So as they're busy doing uh, regular system maintenance on the physical device itself, you know, replacing seals and oiling the thing or whatever it is that your widgets are doing, the Raspberry Pi can be happily in the background updating itself using this uh, credentials that you supplied in the WPA underscore supplement conf file earlier on. So that's it. I uh, hope this has opened your mind and how you can tackle the task of managing so many devices. All you need to get started is essentially your PC or laptop and a Raspberry Pi. The principles of burning a generic image, creating the device inventory and deploying your payabook are exactly the same on that small scale as it is when you scale it up to managing hundreds of devices. So I hope that was useful and tune in tomorrow for another exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.